So welcome to the How to Health podcast. And today I am so excited to introduce Ellen Jeff Jones. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Oh man, I'm so thankful for you to take some time out of your busy schedule. I know you ha- were talking about, you did four speeches today um, at uh, the VegFest. It was four in four days at four four days. Summerfest, which is wow. otherwise known as Summer Camp for Vegans. I just came back from that. Cool. Wonderful. But let me just tell you a little bit about Ellen. She's um, a U.S. consumer health and fitness journalist and author. Uh, she's an accomplished athlete, um, which is, we'll get to that, and the author of Eat Vegan on $4 a Day, a game plan for the budget conscious cook, who, by the way, this helped me a lot with patients who said it was too expensive. I was like, oh, yeah, let me show you someone who wrote this. <laughs> and um, also the Kitchen Divided, vegan recipes for the semi-ve- or semi-vegan household, and that is another challenge that patients days like my husband don't do this so I can't do this oh no let me show you another book and um, the paleo vegan plant-based primal recipes which is awesome so you're kind of pulling off of the whole paleo movement and showing that you can actually do this actually a healthier way and um, she also has a book called vegan fitness for mortals and the most recent one with Dr. Joel Kahn is vegan sex vegans do it better which oh my goodness guys it's upside down it's, <laughs> that's even better. That is awesome. So what we're going to do is I will put a link to Amazon, how to get to that. And it's awesome. So, um, if you haven't heard Dr. Khan's interview, I'd encourage everyone to listen to that too, because we talked about it as well. So, um, very entertaining. Uh, and then of course she's been a contributing author to another running book, a uh, running eating and thinking. And, uh, that's fantastic. And she's placed in 117 5K or longer races. Look at all those medals back there, guys. Um, won two Emmys as a journalist. I mean, those are back there too, right there. That's incredible. That's You're my first Emmy-winning uh, interview. This is fantastic. So enough of me talking about how wonderful you are. You're going to you tell us more about you. So let's get started. Can you just tell me a little bit about your background as a writer and journalist? I mean, that's just, it's fascinating. Well, it all started with uh, a diary when I was five years old. Um, no, seriously, my mom, aunt, and both sisters had breast cancer, and my aunt died of it in our home when I was five. And it was so traumatic that I really did start writing back then, um, or at least processing what I was going to write, and um, just found my way into journalism school because I always enjoyed listening to people and learning their stories. and. Um, I was the first woman to anchor the evening news at the University of Missouri, which is still one of the better schools of journalism. And being a woman back in those days, you know, I could pretty much write my ticket as to where I wanted to go. So um, I chose to stay in le- local television. I did that for 18 years in Miami and St. Louis. And I really felt like I had more freedom to do the kinds of investigative reporting stories that I wanted to do that w- versus working at the network where you, you, know, you kind of had to work for the corporation and do what they said to do. And all that kind of stuff. Um, I did media training for Physicians Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And while doing that, I smelled my way into their kitchen and they were just developing the Cancer Project cooking classes. I became a trained instructor for them. Uh, They've now since morphed that into the Food for Life classes. And 
in that period of time, I also was a financial consultant for Smith Barney for five years after leaving TV and uh, started crunching the numbers on recipes, thinking if we could really prove how cheap it is to eat vegan, we would have so many more people interested in eating vegan. And indeed, somebody came by one of my tables at the Miami Book Fair years ago and said, I don't know about vegan, but you had me at $4 a day. <laughs> I love that. Well, that tells us a little bit about your vegan journey. Were you always vegan? Was this something you found at some point in life? I mean, what was that event that occurred? Well, two things happened. The year my sister got breast cancer for the second time was also the same year working in television in St. Louis. I almost died of a colon blockage. I wasn't eating enough fiber, uh, not drinking enough water. It was a snowstorm. The station catered in all the, these uh, the fast food and processed uh, deli meats. And um, I just collapsed in the bathroom. They rushed me to the ER and the doctor said they'd never seen a blockage so big and somebody so young and I would need to be on medicine the rest of my life. And they would later determine I have an extra foot of colon because I've had chronic constipation ever since I was a child. And um, I just thought, well, I'm way too young to be on medicine. So I ran to the health food store and read all five books on fiber because that's all there was at the time and changed my life at that point. I started macrobiotic, which a lot of people my age kind of began that way, then vegetarian, then vegan. That was the progression. I was vegan before I had children, which was like around 1984. And then once I had children, I became, of course, trying to avoid breast cancer. I became a La Leche League leader, which is the breastfeeding information and support nonprofit. And even though we were drinking and teaching others how to drink our own species milk, once the kids were weaned, then all their cookbooks were talking about eating meat and dairy. And I didn't really quite put all that together, realizing how uh, that didn't quite mesh <laughs> uh, until later, until I really began seriously getting into the whole vegan journey. Wow. So at what age did you change your diet then at that time? What held were you at that time? I was 28 when I had the colon blockage. And so that's really when I started making uh, pretty incredible changes. And I remember some of my fellow reporters in the newsroom were watching me go through this change. And they just had no idea that you could change your bowel habits, for example, through what you ate. And I remember bringing and serving strawberries to everybody and having this conversation with our on-air pharmacist. And, um, you know, he, he made the changes too and was just incredulous weeks later when he got back and talked to me. Wow, that's incredible. So, wow. Okay, so then you, that is so young. I mean, as a physician and understanding that, I mean, that is incredibly young. I can only imagine what you must have been thinking at that age because you're like, wait a minute, I'm in my late 20s and I'm having to be rushed to the hospital for things that, you know, you would have a, an elderly person deal with. And I will tell you, I had three children, natural childbirth, and nothing was more painful than that blockage. I'm sure as, wow. as a physician, you, you know how they try and deal with that and it is not at all pleasant. And um, after experiencing that kind of pain, I was highly motivated. And keep in mind, I had doctors telling me uh, then and then later, as the youngest kid in my family and my two sisters before me had, you know, all the diseases and, you know, doctors were saying, you better do some things differently or you're going to end up like everybody else in your family. So I was very motivated to read everything I could. The first book I read was Recalled by Life about a doctor, uh, Anthony Satellero, who um, was able to reverse his father's bone cancer. And he had pictures of the images in the book. And that was really very compelling evidence for the time, for sure. Wow, that's incredible. So you went on to 
tell us to write and you won two Emmys and were nominated for, I think, what, four additional Emmys? Is that correct? So right. tell us about the stories um, that won an Emmy. I mean, that's incredible. Wow. Well, the, the first one, which was really the more, I guess, if you want to call it glamorous uh, of the stories because it got a lot of attention, um, and the Miami Herald, and it happened when I was in Miami, three days after I broke the story, started picking up on it. So mm -hmm. there was, I found out the school superintendent was stealing gold-plated plumbing for his summer home. I had done a story on a mother whose child had flunked the third grade in Florida in Miami based on a standardized test, even though the child had all A's and B's in school. So six months later, she had an ax to grind. She was working at the plumbing company where this invoice came in. And so she said, meet me in the stairwell, a la Watergate, and I'm just going to pass you this thing. Don't say anything to me and just be on your way. So I get the invoice and the catalog and I see what has been purchased with public school money and went to confront him later in the day. And, you know, he threw me off the property and um, it just snowballed into this whole thing, one of the proverbial tips of the iceberg. And uh, my life was threatened and I, uh, there were riots in Miami in 1980 based on this story. So, wow, kind of an interesting time. But I have this reputation of telling the truth at any expense. I have nothing to sell other than the truth. And this righteous sense of indignation that reporters get um, I have carried through my work in, in uh, veganism as well, because it's incredulous that doctors don't recommend this as the first choice. And, you know, I felt the same way about vegan sex. Uh, as I like to say, I may be jumping ahead here, but I was a 62-year-old vegan virgin. And until I had sex with uh, my first vegan, it was like I had partners, marriages, uh, everyone had ED, again, starting at the magic age of 28. And we thought this was just the way business is done. And then later when the drugs were invented, okay, that's just part of the aging process. Well, since I've been working on this book, uh, I have seen 70-year-olds throw out their Viagra. You know, how many people could save their relationship if they had gone vegan based on just this alone? But I mean, that's, that's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> Oh, wow. I this I haven't is, embarrassed No, it. this is fabulous. Oh, I love oh. it. Oh, whatever. I, I've had, a, there's another interview with Christopher Karnick. Yeah, it's a little more graphic. And then, of course, Dr. Collins. So he threw out every sexual joke there could be, and I was dying laughing. But, um, yeah, no, I think I love it. That's fabulous because men don't understand. ED is literally the, you know, it's the canary in the coal mine. It's the first signs that you have heart disease. So you need to pay attention to that. It's trying to get your attention. So I think you guys are right on. And if the one thing that might motivate a man uh, other than his stomach might be the sex. So I think yeah, you, know, you can't get them with uh, eat vegan on $4 a day and saving them money. You got to go to the other appendages. And, yeah, I mean, you got to go to where it is. And so that's. But the main thing is, I mean, people have accused us of using sex to sell the book hello, this is the elephant in the room. It's really true. It really is an incredible difference. And, you know, Dr. Khan talks about the, the research and the medical side of this story, but I'm talking about, I have lived it since the age of 22, uh, 28, and I'm 62, uh, well, I'm 60, going to be 65, but um, there is this just sense that um, I, I, once I had this experience at the age of 62, I'm going like, 
why didn't a doctor tell me this? Because what happened was I was having back pain and uh, it was thought that my pelvic floor was falling. And, you know, that sometimes happens with lots of runners or as you age. And so I went to this uh, physical therapist who was most unusual. She did an internal exam like I've never had. And she said, basically, can I be really blunt here? Is it sure, okay? Go for it. Because I had not had intercourse in decades, my internal muscles had atrophied. So her prescription was, and she went out with her medical partner, and she does this for all of her patients who need it, a dildo. And she said, it's not for the point, or it's not for the purpose of having an orgasm necessarily. It's mm-hmm. for internal stimulation and massage of the muscles that have atrophied. I could not believe it. So about a, uh, six months later, I actually had an opportunity to have intercourse. So I go back to her and I go, so guess what? I don't need the dildo anymore. And she, she gets this very worried look on her face and she goes, it's going to be painful. Your membranes have thinned. I really suggest that you load up on lubricants. So I did. And I stuffed the lubricants under the pillow. And guess what? I didn't need a single one, not for an entire week. It was the best sex of my life. And that's what was my epiphany. And when I realized how amazing that was compared to all the others, it's like, somebody's got to write this book. And I I went back to her and I said, guess what? I didn't need your lubricants. And she said, oh, it's just because it was the first time. A year later, still didn't need the lubricants. Two years later, still didn't need the lubricants. Because why? Vegans are already getting lubrication in the form of plants that are full of, oh, that old-fashioned thing called water. Okay, I've gone on. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's fabulous because there really are. There's specialists who work physical therapists who work on the pelvic floors and you know people women who've had lots of children can might have the similar type of problem but you're absolutely right and I think I mean I didn't even realize that experience from a vegan woman because I'm in my mid-40s mid to late 40s and so I mean I've not had any I mean I have older women who switched over but we've never spoken about their sexual uh habits and if their intercourse has changed and so that is a fabulous another nugget to put in my toolbox is like, okay, let's talk sex and let's get you having a healthy relationship with your partner. I think that's wonderful. Wow. But what I think is a lot of women don't understand, or maybe even doctors don't understand that blood flow to the female organs is just as important. And I actually gave a workshop on this at Vegetarian Summerfest. And I said, I believe the other thing that can happen when you as a female can feel the incredible swelling and prominence from your partner that is exciting and you it's I had we had simultaneous orgasms I've not had that since my 20s and I said this in the class and you know this one woman's just going out oh you know there's no such thing as a internal orgasm or a vaginal orgasm and I'm going uh, and there were a couple other women who were standing up and saying uh you know what she's saying is true (laughs) so you know there's so much I think that could be researched like women and heart disease we didn't get studied very seriously until years later I think the same is true as far as the sexual and physical experiences that we have as well. Yeah, yeah, I am serious. This is so going to add to my toolbox. Like you have no idea. Like I'm just thinking of all sorts of ideas now how to bring this around. That's right. I mean, I've talked to men about it, but I certainly never, I mean, thought about it from the standpoint of physiologic, the anatomical, but you're absolutely right because we're always taught it's, oh, you're hit postmenopausal. It's a hormonal thing. 
Um, but if that's a, you know, I never really thought about it in the circulation sense, but it makes sense. It makes complete sense. Oh, wow. One other story that may be useful for you and, and for your listeners is um, I had gone off a vegan diet when I worked at Smith Barney because I just couldn't control what I was eating. We had working lunches that were pizzas and client dinners at Morton's and it was so, you know, I had my McDougal cups under my desk, but it just wasn't enough. So uh, I finally quit that uh, insane business. And when I moved to Florida, I found myself in the emergency room a second time with hemorrhaging fibroid tumors and they wanted to do a hysterectomy and my regular OB that I just switched to got on the phone and she said, Ellen, go back on that vegan diet and call me in the morning. And within six weeks, all signs of menopause were gone. The hot flashes, I didn't need the hysterectomy, the fibroids shrank. How many hysterectomies could we save if we had a doctor who said, go on a vegan diet and call me in the morning? Wow, absolutely. And you know, I've actually had women who's met postmenopausal symptoms improve dramatically with the diet. So right. there's definitely something with that. Um, now, can I explain it on a biochemical level? Not at the moment, but yeah, there's since that is amazing. I got to use, I'm going to be diving into some research now. This one, that's cool. Wow. Thank you. Um, where'd I even go? So tell me now, so you're an amazing writer, you're, you're, you're well, you're sharing, you know, your experiences in the bedroom to help other women, and I think that's fabulous. But tell me more about your running because, you know, like we had talked earlier, you, there's not many women out there who are vegan athletes on, and speaking to that from the standpoint of being a female. And not only that, but you're a female that's, you know, you're running in, you're going to be 65 and you're 117 races that you've placed. I mean, that's just incredible from a younger standpoint, but much less as you, you know, an expansive uh, life of running. So tell us more about how you got into running. Are you always a runner? How these all started? So, Well, I did start running um, about the age of 27 before I moved back to St. Louis, which was my hometown. I ran a little bit there in races, but I never placed. And then I took a lot of time off while my kids were young and uh, did a lot of biking with them and backpacking, that kind of thing. They didn't have the fancy runner strollers that they do now. And then when I moved to Florida, I woke up one morning, there was a shotgun, shotgun blast out my window, and I thought either somebody's dead or that was a race just starting. And I walked over to this park, and sure enough, it was a 5K. And I said to this woman who I'm still friends with today, I said, how do people run in Florida? It's so hot. And she said, just get up at sunrise. <laughs> and so I did. It took me about a year to start training again about another year before I had enough nerve to show up at uh, the, the local runners club. And um, they had training runs a few nights a week. And then somebody said, you know, you're, you're probably pretty fast. You might do well at a race. Why don't you enter one? So I did. That was 2006. And that's when I started placing in my age group because I'm sort of looking around. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of people my age who are running. And I joke off and I win my age group just by showing up. <laughs> and it's not entirely true. But I was uh, fast enough that a coach for the local high school girls cross country and track team said, you know, you're, you're clocking eight minute miles. Would you like to run or first just train with the kids? And then when I did that for a few months, she said, you want to be my assistant coach. So I did that and that was great fun. And then, um, you know, the running, I would just wear my running shirts to races that, you know, the one that says eat vegan on $4 a day, it's really this bright yellow and people always come up to me and they'll, they'll look at the shirt and they'll go, you can't race or run on a vegan diet as I'm holding the age group award in my hand. So it's always an opportunity to engage. And I often say that running is my activism and that's why I do it. It's not that I'm competitive at all. It's just that 
Um, it's about proving that vegans can do it because so many people think that you can't. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true because I'm a runner as well. And I've been a runner since my early 20s. And um, I, it's, I love it. So what's your favorite distance to run? Um, well, 5Ks are, are plentiful in this area, but I just got back three weeks ago from the National Senior Games. And let's see, uh, that's this one. Cool. This is the one I'm probably proudest of. Uh, it's a bronze medal for the four by one hundred meter relays. And it was so competitive that in our, in our race, the woman who ran the fourth leg, I ran the second leg, which is a hundred meter distance. She was trying so hard. She fell across the finish line and broke her shoulder. And we missed placing second by one one hundredth of a second. Oh. So, um, my, I came in third, uh, I'm sorry, I came in fifth in the, um, in the 800 meters and, um, uh, seventh in the 1500 meters and the 400 meters. So uh, favorite distances. I love the track distances, not the real, not the real short ones like the 50 and the hundred meters. I don't have that kind of explosive short, uh, energy but for those mid-range distances that's really where I've shined this is the second time I did the national senior games I'm really surprised at how many women came up to me and said oh me too I'm vegan so that the reason is runners typically don't get arthritis and I often joke that the reason I win my age group now is because women who used to beat me 10 years ago just aren't even running anymore because they've had hip and and knee and joint issues that vegans just we have a very anti-inflammatory alkaline diet yep. and quick recovery I've been on panels with other athletes and we all have the same thing there's just not a lot of uh, pain and very quick recovery and of course lots of energy yeah, my favorite distance is half marathons because I used to, when I would run those before, it'd take me a couple of days to recover. Now I'm fine the same day. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, let's go. You know, and people are like, what is wrong with you guys? Because my, my boys ran cross country too. And um, yeah, we're all runners and love it. Um, it's awesome. It's really amazing. Cool. Um, so now you have the, the running and you have your, your writing and books and all this amazing stuff. Tell us about your speaking because you are all over the place. Like I follow you on Facebook, you like over here and over there and you're doing Facebook lives. And I was like, I can't even keep up with you. So tell us about that and what that means to you and what your goals are and what are you doing? You know, my publisher tells me that I'm kind of rare. Typically book authors are uh, introverted and often don't even like to speak. I would go to some events where an author would come and do the book, the book signing and just disappear. And I, I was trained at Smith Barney in sales. So the first time I went to, I think my first event was like the largest veg fest in North America, the Toronto veg fest. And my, my author, my, my publisher is just throwing me out there. So I just stayed at the table for the two or three days that thing went on, just signing books and engaging with the public. And he said, we've never had anybody do that. I'm going like, really? This is for me, it's outreach. It's about, you know, being available during that period of time. You're paying my way, my airfare and my meals and my hotel. I better be working for you and not acting like a prima donna and just dashing off. So I just started doing that. And I, I guess, you know, a lot of people weren't doing that. And 
so I started getting invited to a lot of, lot of VegFest. And my publisher also um, made sure that I was uh, invited to these things. He would become a sponsor, and part of uh, the sponsorship agreement was that the VegFest would have uh, anywhere from two to five of his authors, and he has a lot of authors, as speakers. So um, I obviously, from my television background, I joke sometimes I'm finally using my journalism degree for for a good purpose. Yeah. And, you know, it felt kind of weird at first because as a reporter, you're supposed to be fair and balanced and just asking the questions and using the two ears and the mouth, not so much. And um, to kind of make that switch uh, to being a speaker was a little, felt a little strange at first because I could finally have an opinion about something. And I realized <laughs> I had a very strong opinion about all this stuff. Oh, no, I no. No, no. <laughs> Watching, you know, my family get so sick and then die. You know, my sister, the one who hadn't had breast cancer yet, uh, went in for routine herniated disc surgery, already had heart disease and uh, diabetes for decades. And then she flatlines on the table. MRSA goes in through the IV and she became a quadriplegic for the rest of her six miserable years of life. So all these dots are so connected. And you ask, why do you do it? I mean, we all have our reasons, but boy, I, there's so much needless suffering. We were part of the original breast cancer gene studies because of the prolific breast cancer in our family. I was the only adult female without it. And uh, obviously I have three daughters and there is much we can do to turn off our genes and turn them on. And to the extent that um, we can prevent so much suffering, that's why I do it. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, I understand my mother had breast cancer, her mother and all their sisters and their children. So, um, and my real dad has had his first heart attack at 38. So I've got crap genes. <laughs> if ever there could be a deck loaded against you, I have it. So I have to be good. <laughs> so when you talk about, um, you know, these books that you've written and they're really, I mean, you really hit home to problems that my patients and I would think they're regular person that's wanting to do this would think there would be an issue. So tell me a little bit more about the $4 a day vegan, because I think that's such a fabulous concept of what you've done. And I, I just love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, well, like I said, I got the idea in my Smith Barney days. And then I remember the moment I was watching the evening news on television. And I see this woman who is morbidly obese, loading her cart with macaroni and cheese and Twinkies. And she looks up at the reporter who's shoving this microphone into her face like I used to do. And she goes, you just can't eat well on a budget. And I'm going like, I've been doing this for the better part of 25 years. Somebody needs to write a book and actually crunch these numbers and show how ridiculously cheap it is. So I, every recipe in the book has an estimated price based on ingredients you can find at Walmart. And people go, ew, are you recommending Walmart? And I go, ew, if you live below the poverty level of $23,000 a year, you're already shopping at Walmart. And because every community has a Walmart, I felt like if I use their prices, then you can't give me the excuse, oh, you can't do it. And so that's one of the reasons I went there with that book. I also have lots of tips on how to do it, you know, shop the perimeter of the store, buy in bulk, uh, cook from scratch. And people go, ew, I don't have time to cook from scratch. And I go, ew, you don't have time for cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Those are real time wasters. I have spent my childhood in hospitals watching relatives suffer with these diseases. And I used to joke, I, I may come from the sickest family in America. <laughs> I mean, you laugh. It's sad to laugh. I don't know actually why I'm being on that one. So, um, 
Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it really is. So I actually took your book when I was in Colorado and this, you know, I was in a small town, Western side of Colorado and, you know, we've got, it's mostly blue collar. We had Medicare, Medicaid patients and they did it. I had patient, one patient who was on social security. She was on disability and she was in her sixties, unable to walk. And I shared some information from your book in the plant-based diet and she did it, reversed her diabetes, dropped her cholesterol, her hypertension. So Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, so this other thing too, this vegan fitness for mortals, that is, that is awesome too. So tell me what does that entail? Well, after I started coaching high school girls cross country, I decided to become a certified personal trainer and a certified running coach just so I would have that knowledge base because you can go out and run a marathon, but that doesn't mean you're, you're qualified to teach others how to do it. And there's so many things to take into account when you're working with, with clients in particular. And um, I also felt like there was this real need for women out there. I can't tell you how many times I've been the sole female vegan athlete on a panel of athletes or at a veg fest or one of these events, you know, where I am speaking. And somebody even in an audience uh, in the last year said, well, as the token female, can I ask you this question? So you know, I'm kind of getting that reputation out there. And I'm really, again, as I said, I'm just doing this to show that vegans aren't weak as we, we sometimes get that um, impression from others that they have, they, they believe that it's just a myth. And I like to blow up these vegan myths that are out there and not having strength, not having endurance. I have done two full marathons and nine half marathons, even though I'm told by other experts that somebody with my sprint time shouldn't even be able to finish a marathon. But I just do it to show people that it's all from the power of plants, as my shirt says, fueled by plants. And it's just, it's fun to get out there and show people uh, that they too can live this kind of life. And the reason I, I wrote this book, Vegan Fitness for Mortals, was to fill in that gap because a lot of people are recovering their health and don't know where to start. So Vegan Fitness gets into different training programs and I uh, give you ways to evaluate whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And I go through all of the different disciplines. So it's uh, swimming, it's biking, it's running, it's walking, it's weight training. The big thing, and this has been, you know, if I could just give one message out there about fitness, it's um, finish without injury. Because if you get injured and then you can't run or you can't compete anymore, there's nothing worse than a, a runner who can't run. We get very cranky. So not getting a case of the terrible twos, doing too much too soon. I really am all about gradually increasing whatever it is you're doing so you don't burn out and you don't say, you know, at the end of a month or two, oh gosh, I just can't stand to do this. I want you to love it. Um, and that is so critical. I run with music. I can't imagine running without it. And, you know, some people have kind of screamed at me and said, oh, that's not safe. Uh, you know, you're distracted. You're not enjoying nature. Well, I do enjoy nature too. And it is good if you can do whatever sport it is outside. There are studies that show that we actually uh, are in a better mood when we do that more endorphins. But however you do it, as long as it's fun, that's the important thing to, to, to just to keep doing it and find 
whatever it is that's good for you. And don't feel like, you know, like if you're in yoga class and you're looking next to next to you, the person seems to be more limber and more stretchy and we want to like compete that way. And then that's, that's the point at which you risk injury. So mm. trying to keep a level head about this, you know, maybe doing that ultra marathon a hundred miles should never be on your agenda. And I'm not dissing the people who do that, but for us mortals who want to stay doing this forever, sometimes you have to apportion it out and just dial it back a little bit without feeling badly about it. Yeah, I did one marathon and I was one and done. I'm like, I checked it off. It's not fun to train. I mean, I train, but it's just, it's not fun. But half right. marathons are less. But you're absolutely right. I haven't been injured in over 10 years. And awesome. because I took a very, uh, you know, small step gradually, my husband, on the other hand, he's not here, so I can tell you this. Um, he, you know, he's like, does an exercise it, and then he's like, all in. And then, like, and then he's like, out for two weeks. I'm like, well, let's, you can't do that. What do I know? I'm just a doctor and an athlete, but whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, you just got to let it go. So, wow, that is so cool. So now I like to really get into mindset with people because you, you show perseverance and commitment and consistency with everything that you've done. I mean, I'm like, if it's your journalism, your writing, your running, your, you know, being a vegan athlete, I mean, it's just, that is incredible. So what keeps you going? Like, what is the mindset? What do you do on the days that are like, oh, do you ever have days? Like, I just don't want to run today or I don't want to do this. I mean, what, what do you have? What's that conversation that you have with yourself? Well, as far as running goes, um, yes, I have learned in my old age that rest is very important. Um, I don't do naps. It's not in my DNA. And I know lots of people my age who do or others who say, oh, you know, you should just take a nap. It's like, ah! I, I won't do it, but I will sleep in some mornings. Um, as I mentioned, I just got back from Vegetarian Summerfest, and that was grueling. I mean, the physical layout of the place was beautiful, but uh, the, the places where you would speak in some some aspects were, were like a half mile away, up hills and things like that. So it was very grueling physically just to, in, in the process of getting around. But um, so when I came back from that and my flight was two hours late and I didn't get back till one in the morning. And, uh, so I definitely did sleep in yesterday morning, but, um, you know, you just learn to take days off or to cross train in terms of exercise. I bike a lot in the area where I live. It's easy to bike six to 10 miles on beautiful biking paths. And that's, that's really important. Um, you know, just mixing it up, keeping it interesting and, uh, the funny thing, well, it wasn't so funny at the time, but at the National Senior Games, the month before I had contracted, actually two months before, I went to the Nashville Veg Fest, stayed in a uh, bed and breakfast place that had air fresheners, these plug-ins, and I woke up the next morning and I couldn't breathe. I had bronchitis for two months before the National Senior Games, and I posted a picture, I don't know if you saw this, of me taking an inhaler right before one of my events, and I still had bronchitis at the National Senior Games and did as well as I did even with that. So, you know, that, and that's the worst thing I've had in, I haven't had bronchitis since I gave up dairy 20 years ago, and it was really cool to, to be able to, you know, accomplish these things and 
all because of the power of plants, really. I, I know I was always sick, always had an upper respiratory infection, was on antibiotics so much of my childhood and uh, young adulthood because we just didn't know all these things that we know now because of wonderful doctors like you who have the courage to go against the pharmaceutical industry in some respects and get this very important message out there. As I say in Eat Vegan on $4 a day, there's no money in broccoli. There's no broccoli association or lobby or politicians who are on the take. And so you have to be your own investigative reporter to figure out the truth about food. You really are. I mean, when uh, I talk to patients, they are so astounded at what is built up against them. So this is more than addiction to food. It's more than them, you know, feeding their emotions. This is like the food industry. This is pharmaco- you know, the pharmacy industry or the pharmacologic industry. There's the USDA. There's the meat industry, the dairy industry. There's so much going on that they have no idea. And so it's as in the regular doctor doesn't even think about, like, I never thought about any of this stuff till I started doing this because I'm just like, Oh, wow. I'm not just helping this patient get better. I have to, there's so much that I have to deal with, like the food scientists who are building these hyper palatable foods that are highly addictive. It's, it's incredible. Well, I know, I know you have another interview and I, I don't want to keep you past any time, but so tell me, I'd love to get, you know, is there one last bit of advice or something that you just know is like a golden nugget for people that you might stick with someone if someone's thinking about changing their diet or they're really struggling is like, you know, maybe it'll be easier just to go back to the way they were eating. What would you say to someone like that? Well, if all else fails, think of the animals. Um, I often say that the reason there are a lot of young people who are vegans is because they grew up in the YouTube generation and all these videos are out there now um, that can motivate you. Like Dairy is Scary is probably the most powerful dairy one. And of course, there are all the videos of the young male chicks that are being ground up alive because they can't be used for egg producers. And there there are so many visuals out there. Once you see one of those, it's like uh, it stays in your head forever. Great movies like Cowspiracy, uh, What the Hell? is a new one that's out and of course forks over knives those are that the health related ones but I guess I would just say don't give up it's it's so important for the environment too there are lots of environmental connections and lots of people who are making this connection you know animal agriculture is the biggest contributor to global warming the United Nations has said that in, in their studies and um, you know some of the experts say really we should have been vegan yesterday to stop the, the freight train of environmental degradation we have these dead zones here in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it's, it's just, um, we really all need to get on this bandwagon very quickly for the sake of our children, not only for health, but also for the environment and the animals. So don't give up. There are lots of resources online on Facebook. I've got 12 different pages I admin on Facebook, uh, including a vegan runner's page. Um, so check that out and just don't be alone. Go to a veg fest, go to a national event like uh, Summerfest or Health Fest. That's another one in Texas that's really great. Uh, there are lots of ways you can learn about this from credible sources, doctors, uh, dietitians. It's not just uh, kind of some fringe movement or anything like that. It's uh, it's a beautiful way to live. Lots of great food and uh, so much variety and cookbooks and things like that that uh, can keep you motivated. Yeah. The food is delicious. And I think that's the other thing, too. So so what is there? Do you have a website that people can reach out to you? What would, where would you direct someone who they wanted to connect with you? Yeah, my website is VegCoach, VegCoach.com. Or certainly on Facebook, that's probably where I am the most, Ellen Jaffe Jones. And, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that is, you've got to have it if you're an author these days. So anything I can do to help 
uh, message me. Uh, I'm not a dietitian or a doctor, but I am, I am somebody who's lived this life for decades and um, going strong since yes. 2006, just on plants. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my goodness. That is fabulous. So I'll make sure and uh, list all these things uh, below in the notes. And um, Ellen, thank you so much. Again, like I said, I don't want to keep you past your your time. And um, I just like to acknowledge everyone uh, at the, on my podcast to say thank you for everything you've done. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many people you've helped just through myself helping them. Um, but people who may not never know that your books have touched, that your speeches have touched. And I mean, I can only imagine that thousands upon thousands of people that you literally, um, if not saved their lives, at least made their lives better. So thank you very much. And um, I am uh, very thankful and uh, honored to have had you on my show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been an honor and a pleasure for me too. And keep up your great work and we need more women doctors out there. We do, we do. <laughs> That's it.